Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Anderson and I am joined to speak about this weekend's uh, Scottish Premiership action by two men who, just for Halloween, have both dressed up for the occasion. Dressed as uh, Sheer Can, it's Duncan Mackay. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I have no idea where you're going with this, but I'm... I'm uh, going absolutely nowhere and uh, <laughs> with his, his beautiful Shrek costume, Craig Fowler. <laughs> no, that's just my face, mate. <laughs> I've got, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I just thought I'll bring a Halloween theme. I, we've had kids at the door all, all night before I started recording this, so um, we, we live in a, a bit of a family area now. So, and because we've got the wee one, we had the pumpkin out, and that seemed to attract attract them like flies to shit. Um, so uh, I had that in my mind when we were recording. And I thought I don't have any other way of introducing, so I'll just make up some costumes you're wearing. It's not funny. It's not anything, but I'll just say it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the weekend's uh, Premiership action. But before that, um, as as is our right, because it's our podcast, we're going to plug something first. And the thing we're going to plug is our own live show. Duncan, you are the, the brains behind this operation. Is um, So talk us through exactly what, um, what the people can expect from the live show. Yeah, uh, thanks for that, Craig. And uh, probably uh, dangerous to be described as a brains behind anything. But yes, uh, essentially, we've partnered up with Children First, who we you may remember we did the uh, Kits for Kids ahead of the, the Euros last year. Uh, and they got back in touch and said, would we fancy doing a live live podcast? And we said, yes, we'll probably not record it, I think is probably the, the other aspect of it. So if you want to come and see us at Hamden, which I would thoroughly recommend, uh, then yeah, go on to the Children First website. That's Children First uh, with one st.org.uk, and you'll be able to find the links there to the show. So it is on Saturday, the nineteenth of November at Hamden Park, kicking off at uh, seven pm. You get a drink and a Hamden pie included in that, uh, and we'll be doing Q and A's. It'll be all your all your usual fun, uh, and we'll hopefully be in the process of announcing guests shortly as well, special yeah. guests. So all, you know, if you didn't want to listen to us, all of your uh, all of your terrace podcast favourites and and probably your least favourites will be there. Um, most of us will be 
around and doing something at some point. And yeah, um, there's no there's no top flight football on anyway that weekend. Um, so it's obviously stopped the World Cup. So plenty um, something else to spend your money on instead of a, instead of a, a drab nil nil draw um, was, in Premiership. Was it Amy um, that said that it's the only time you can go to Hamden and not be disappointed? I, I, I did see that tweet and I thought she's uh, she's got a very high opinion of all of us because um, <laughs> I, I hope it's not disappointing but uh, you, you know who the guests are going to be um, and, and what a way to sell it what a way to sell it but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get Amy on to do the hype and I'll, I'll do the, the opposite of hype you know what you miserable bastards it's for charity so just 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 pay it well that was uh, that will be guaranteed entertainment on the 19th of uh, November but not so guaranteed entertainment was uh, was found in the Scottish Premiership weekend. A real mixed bag um, in terms of quality of matches, I would say. Last week, we started from the top of the table. This week, we are going to start from the bottom of the Central Premiership table. And at the very bottom of the league, we currently find Malky Mackay's Ross County. And they found their way to the bottom of the table by uh, losing 2-1 at home to Hart of Midlothian. Hart's first win since the middle of September. A big one for Hearts. They, they I thought... Played all right against RFS um, in midweek, but um, nice Craig Fowler to get back-to-back wins and maybe get yourselves kind of back up into the top six and, and where you think you should be. A massive result, honestly. It's when it's all said and done. If Hearts finish, if Hearts finish third this season, that you'll actually look back on this game and say it was one of the most important results of the entire season. I don't think that's actually any sort of hyperbole. It was not a result that I think a lot of Hearts fans, even after the midweek game. I don't think it was a result a lot of Hearts fans saw coming. And mainly because, yet again, like Hearts seem to be, well, the exception, maybe actually with the exception of this game for a change, Hearts seem to be incapable of going through a match without getting one of our best players injured. It's just like seeing Stephen Kingsley pull up with that, looked at the, the hamstring problem against RFS. It was just like, can we not like, catch a break? Like, this is actually getting mental now. I mean, the team has announced. Like I'm actually like Jordan White scoring wasn't a surprise. The fact that he didn't score a header was was a big surprise, because Hearts have toiled all season, and it's it's partially a injuries yes, but it's partially to blame with how the the squad was constructed, and the fact that they didn't go out and get another centre half. And even if you can say, yeah, well they had Civic from from uh, January and Civic in this game, yeah, he was at fault for the first goal. Otherwise, had a good game. Uh, and it's it's really kind of heartening to see him start to change the opinion of a lot of doubters. But he's not good in the air. Um, Alex Cochran, who started to off alongside him, if you look at the stats, he even for a fullback, he's one of the weakest in the air. Like, Lewis Nielsen for a centre-back, very weak in the air. Like, ever since Halkett's gone out, like it just seems like every cross ball that goes into the penalty area, the opposition team score. So seeing Jordan White start against Hearts where really kind of all he's really good for is kind of like holding up the ball working hard for the front and headering the ball and you just thought he scored in 11 minutes after County had already had the goal disallowed and you were thinking oh this is going to be a nightmare this is going to be such a long day it's the the, the worst thing that Hearts need after getting some sort of positivity like we know how demanding the Hearts fans are especially when it comes to Nielsen you're just thinking everything's going to turn so toxic so for the players, I mean, full credit to them to, to come back for that, to not be so rattled, to not only come back and win the game, but to turn it around so quickly as well, shows that there is a lot of spirit still in this team. 
despite all the hardships, despite everything going wrong for them. And it's also really heartening as well to see that finally Keo, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his full name, Keo, who is somebody that, yeah, I think it's fair to say that a lot of Hearts fans have not been impressed by, not been sold by at all. He was signed for a good couple of hundred thousand. He was kind of advertised as supposed to be a an upgrade on Peter Harron, which really hasn't looked the case so far. Yeah, more mobile, but in terms of literally every other aspect of his play, not looking like an upgrade whatsoever. For him to have a really good game as well, there was just a, from a Hearts perspective, there was a, a lot to like about this game. And uh, that's without me getting into Lauren Shanklin scoring again and Robert Snodgrass again having a great game in the middle of the park. Like, he might end up being one of the signings of Hearts season and it's so weird because it was basically signed as like, Hearts needed another striker to like replace Liam Boyce, basically, or somebody to play like a number 10 role. And he's played as like a number 8 or a number 6. But he's looked great in those positions. He's obviously just you know, reached that stage of his career where he has to like drop backwards, but his undoubted composure, his confidence, his technical ability, his passing ability, he's just, he's just already becoming a huge player for Hearts on the domestic front. And yeah, aye, to, to go back to what I said originally, like a, a huge... Huge result from a Hearts perspective. And, and you mentioned Toby Sibic, um, obviously not always been the most popular player. I wonder if the fact that there's been that injury crisis and he's basically had to keep playing has kind of helped him in the sense that he's not been taken out of the team. He's had the opportunity to make his mistakes to work through it. And and I wonder how often we see players where if, if managers did persist with them a bit longer, you might get a, a tune out of them because he's had... You, you can see there's there's something in him as a player. But, you get a lot of guys like this, and in, in, in he's starting. To, I thought he was really good midweek, and, and from what I saw of this, also played pretty well. Yeah, I would, I would agree and disagree with that because he did get taken out of the team, and there was a period where Nielsen just wasn't picking him. But I think that was actually pretty good management for Nielsen because it actually got to the point where because the injury crisis, the defensive crisis was such to an extent that fans who were booing his introduction onto the park, like what six weeks to two months ago we're actually starting to say, right, okay, let's actually maybe bring Civic back because at least he's a defender and at least he's got a bit of height about him. And Hearts just didn't have that at all. Like, he played well, he played very well at the weekend, surprisingly well, Alex Cochran. But he's not a... He's a centre-back on the left of a three if you've got Craig Halkett beside him. He's not a centre-back in literally any other way. So for him to come along in, in that, that kind of position and perform so well on Saturday was impressive, but he had so many games, it was just like... And Cochran started off the season like brilliantly. Like he was maybe Hart's best player for the first two months. And he's just his confidence has been eroded by the fact that he's been asked to play a position that he's clearly not suited to because he just doesn't have the height in Scottish football. And it got to that point where it was just like, right, okay, let's actually just bring Civic back because we need somebody. And since he's been brought back in general, he's been pretty good. Like even was it Fiorentina away when he when he but he came on as well and he didn't look like, you know, I mean, hearts away if you're dealing with rubbish <laughs> throughout the team and easily outclassed. But in terms of like judging him compared to like other players on the side, you can see like, yeah, he's actually maybe finding his way back. And they were singing at the county game and it was really, really heartening to hear the Hearts fans sing it against RFS. Like, I didn't even realise Toby Subic had his own song until that game. Uh, so to hear it is... It's quite nice. It's like kind of reminds me of. I'm sure we'll come up and maybe talk about them later on. When we talk about the Hibs game, but it reminds me a lot of Rocky Bashiri, the Easter Road. Like these guys, so much criticism, and it must be so hard to deal with, especially when you're not actually for Scotland. Like I know Sibic's only English, so it's not like it's not like Bashiri where he's you know coming and 
and like his English isn't his first language or whatever. But even still, it's still like a different you know culture, a different place. Like you're still with your comfort zone, and for fans to really turn against you that much, and to then. And I think the I think what's helped both of them is that both of them are quite honest about the fact that this was affecting them, and like this is shit. Like they weren't making excuses for their performances, but they're like, yeah, I'm, my confidence and my, my mental state has been affected by this. And I think you've seen in both fan bases, the fans almost kind of having a look at themselves and going, yeah, this is quite poor from us. Let's let's try and be better. And it has been like both in both cases, really, really kind of nice redemptive stories. I know civics. Only at the start of the house because Bashiri's been pretty much good all season. But uh, aye, in, in both ways, just, just, just something that's quite heartening. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I, I, I've got a, a bad feeling about, well, it won't be necessarily that bad because I'm a Hibs fan, but I, I feel that there's kind of been an over overcorrection from Hearts fans about Civic's ability. Uh, and I think that there's, uh, I think there, are, there is potential for there to be uh, not a, backlash but like i Dun- think that you, Duncan, you, you pro- might, pro- yeah. probably probably pro- but yeah. at the same time how can rose going to be back soon and hearts probably ah, and he's, he's so suddenly he's, not, not going to find himself yeah he's not going to be the one team. choice at, yeah i mean talking talking the rest of the game like it, it felt like ross county yet again are just falling a wee bit short i think it's maybe been the case for um for a few of the teams down the bottom where they start a game pretty well but they can't put you know, more than a, a wee spell together in this game. And it felt like that was the case here again, that once once their kind of initial, you know, straight out of the blocks, hearts tired for midweek kind of thing wore off, they, they didn't really do a lot. They still don't really have an identity for me. And, and it's not just an identity in terms of a style of play. It's an identity in terms of who's the guy stepping up for you? Who are you hanging your hat on? If you're not playing well, who's the guy's... Who's the guys in the team that are going to drag you through it? I mean, county fans are probably rolling their eyes by this point because we keep mentioning the name so much. But that was last season. It was Hungbo and it was Charles Cook. It was these guys that, like, regardless of how the team was playing, you knew they were a threat and you knew you could do something. In this game, White had a good game up front. Jan Dander maybe had his best game for county. But he he has a good game. But that's one of his few all-season. Edwards occasionally has a good game. Hawulu occasionally has a good game. Like, Cancola occasionally has a good game. There really doesn't seem to be anybody trying to emerge any sort of talisman in that team. And that's their biggest problem. Because they're not... I don't think they're necessarily a bad side, but they've just really yet to figure themselves out. And I know they've done it at the start of last season, but this feels more desperate. I think there's there's fewer... Um... You know, even when they were going through that horrible streak last last season, last season, there was I don't know, like shoots of recovery, I suppose that, and I, and I think that this season there's fewer of them, and they're 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 less pronounced coming out the ground. I suppose if you were to continue that sort of torturous analogy, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, unless something unless something changes, the there doesn't there doesn't appear to be anything that's going to be a catalyst. 
Like I know, I mean, admittedly, none of us saw the 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 five nil uh, win away to Dundee coming, but it wouldn't. It wasn't a shock to beat for them to beat Dundee. But the manner in which they did it was a shock. Whereas I don't think there's anything that uh, that you're seeing from this Ross County team where you're like, well, they're definitely going to be able to to pull something out of an away game. Having said that, they are away at Easter Road next Tuesday. So there you go. That, that, here comes Hibernian. Unless um, it's similar to that St. John's game, I'll be flabbergasted if we get anything out aye, of it. Like, but again, yeah, there's no, like, the, uh, there's no signs. You know, there's the potency of of, uh, of Stevie May and the, uh, an element of resurgence from Nicky Clark that we've seen in St. Johnston. That, like, you know, that, uh, and even, we'll go on to it when we're talking about that, but even Dre Wright looks fit which is quite an achievement. Um, and so like, you've got those elements. I just don't see, as you said, like, what's your, what is Jordan White? Jordan White's going to be, what, a te- 10 goal season if he's having, a, if he has an, an exceptional year? Like, it's just, yeah, there's just not enough there. There's no X factor, I think, is, is what I would be concerned about if I was a county fan. They need one of those wingers, um, of which they've got several to catch fire and do something the way that both of them did last season. Um, but yeah, I, I I wasn't impressed with them last weekend um, against us, and and I wasn't hugely impressed here. But there, there are enough teams down the bottom that they're they're not going to. I don't think anyone's going to get cut adrift this year. But um, they are in a struggle. Um, anything else to say on this one, Craig? Uh, no, I think I covered everything. I yeah, I because I kind of like there was a few things I wanted to kind of say later on, but I kind of talked about them already. Like Snodgrass was my main one. I can't. I I really didn't see that coming at all. Like signings, when we started them in the deeper position against Celtic, I was actually like, "That's a huge mistake, especially in a game like this with Celtic ability to run rings around anybody with like tired legs." And I thought he was Hearts' best player that day, and he's continued being great. Robert Thorgas, number six, he knew. It'll be, it'll be centre half before you know it. Um, <laughs> well, actually, maybe neither. <laughs> uh, although seeing him defend it was the the, um, the set piece for Jack Amakis when he was trying to mark him last weekend. Probably not. Um, Alex Cocker would have done the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, mo- moving on then to the the team who are just ahead of uh, ahead of County on. Was it? I was going to say on goal difference. It might even just be on goal scored. They are very close together anyway. It's Dundee United. Dundee United were defeated at home by Mullerow on um, on Saturday, and for me, uh, they are just ahead on goal scored. And for me, they have continued. We talked about Ross County not quite always just falling quite short, and it's the same for Dundee United. Every time I watch them, aside from Celtic maybe and Hearts and AZ Alkmaar, but most of the time when I watch them, they're not they're not being outclassed. They're not being outplayed. But they are not doing enough, and and this game felt like that. Even with ten men in the second half, they they had more of the game, but there were very few chances created. There was very little for their fans to get excited about, and it does seem to be the same story quite a lot. And that that will be the worry. They've obviously already kind of done their play, change the manager trump card. They, they might do it again. Who knows at some point? But it was a. Uh, they look like they're having a bit of a struggle at the moment, I would say, and they're they're obviously not helped by um, a refereeing decision that we can talk about a little bit. But they they weren't helped by the a player making a petulant challenge as well. Um, it, it's just synonymous with that kind of malaise that's going about them. Um, what what was the player who I thought was? I mean, there there are many people at fault for the. The goal, but what switches off? I think he's the one that's marking. Um, Solholm Johansson 
for the um, for the goal. Switches off. I mean, it's a bit of a mismatch anyway, but he switches off um, with, with the kind of shifted free kick, um, and then obviously he's he's the one that um, you know when he's probably just trying that wee bit extra too hard against his old club. Yeah, I I would, I would kind of agree with that. I think that um, I, I think Dundee United. There's there's many faults that are going on at Dundee United, but I, I think one of them is I think Craig Easton summed it up pretty well on the radio is that they that they don't have a number one, but they've got two number twos, and <laughs> like I, th- and I think that's that's kind of a neat uh, summation of where they are. Really, like I think that that it, that that it's got to a stage with those two keepers that they're now like again, you know, like we'll, we'll go into another sub keeper, like a number two keeper that didn't exactly cover themselves in glory, but uh, in another game this weekend, but uh, this. I mean, Brigetti uh, was just just a terrible, uh, a terrible thing, and it also it, 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 I don't know, like it's just a weird one in terms of that you need your goalkeeper to be pulling stuff off if you're in a battle, and they've got they've just got two guys that they can't trust, and that is you can clearly see that is just having an impact throughout the rest of the team as well because you, you're like, well, we've got a, a popadomristed keeper. Uh, behind us, like regardless of what we do, it's good <laughs> that that we could be undermined by something as basic as someone palming the the ball behind them from what was a not a bad effort, but I would I would fancy a number of even third choice keepers at some clubs uh, to to be able to to keep out. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Twenty nineteen twenty, isn't it? All over again. In terms of twenty 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 one, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah I no, mean, I think not. I think there is yeah. there is parallels, isn't there, with a lot of these? Like that, you you look at the the spine of the team, and you look at the uh, supposed leaders, and but those guys aren't performing, and 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 guys like what you can't spend that money and have someone be that petulant when they're not like you can you can indulge that level of petulance if they're performing, um, because ultimately you know, they miss a game or two. Are we talking about the red card? Or whatever. I just think I just think he's like it's like a lazy like kind of like I, I'm pissed off, and I think that's probably what impacts the referee as well. It's like I don't know, I I don't know. I th- I think it's a shocking decision. I really do. I think I, like, I don't think it's shocking because I I can see why it's been given. Like, but again, now <laughs> you're bringing the the spectre of VAR in. No, um, I mean, it's it's not just about VAR because I think. I think you'd still have it, like not necessarily because obviously it was a retrospective. So yeah, without VAR, it wouldn't have been a red card. But I still think you would see people, you would see a lot of people saying it was maybe a red, even without you know VAR hanging over our lives. Now, I just, I just think it's so wrong. Like, yeah, it's a bit lazy to start with, but to me, he tries to pull out of it. And if you're actually talking about the two, the two things that are like written in the rules about what a red card tackle should be, are you going with an excessive force? Well, if you're trying to pull out the challenge and you barely make contact with the guy, then no, it's not excessive force. And are you in danger of injuring an opponent? Had he continued in the challenge, yeah, he would have been. But again, he's pulling out of it. So I just don't under... I really don't understand how that's a red card. I think it's... It, like, like I seriously think that might be the worst decision I've seen so far this season. I just don't get it at all. Like, in terms of what the rules say, like, we've all got certain ways that we would interpret the rules of the game. And that's what I've said so many times about why I hate VAR and why it has no place in football. But I just don't get that one at all. I really don't. It's one of those ones that looks 
it looks dangerous, but it's not. Like when you actually break it down, it's not at all. Well, they, they've appealed the red cards, which I think is an interesting, uh, an interesting test case for for VAR because uh, if for me, for me, there is. Um, we'll talk about about another incident where this happens as well. There's no place for it to get involved in that decision, which is it's kind of where you're coming from. If the referee had shown a red card, you could go. Mm, well, I see where he's coming from, but. For the referee, the referee didn't even give a foul, um, which is obviously I'm talking of terrible decisions. Like it's very obviously a foul, but beating doesn't yeah, I would, mean. <laughs> I would say it's a booking. I would say I would say it falls under the it falls under the banner of careless and reckless, which yeah, is a booking. No, absolutely, and I tend to agree with you. I, I do think it probably isn't a, a red. I can I can see where it, it comes from, but the point is when the referee on the park with an unobscured view, right? Okay, um, makes a mistake not to give the foul. There is no way that that should be clearing the kind of clear and obvious bar for overturning a decision, and this is the, this is my big issue with with that is that people can people have said all oh, along it's only going to come in in these clear and obvious decisions. We're already seeing several incidents where that's not the case. Nobody should be surprised about that. We've seen it round round the world already, and it's it's a uh, it's pernicious, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it's. I use the word obnoxious. It's it's just. It's just like remember me. It's like it, it's like the baddie in a film. It's just like it has to jump from behind the door every now and then. Like there's no, there was no need for it to get involved there. Um, that's yeah, a fucking. Up. By the way, that's a great analogy. Yeah, well, I have to do it at least once because it's usually my my weakest thing is actually trying to <laughs> compare anything to anything. But um, but yeah, that that really annoyed me about a couple of decisions this weekend. Um, and and yeah, that was that was to me the one that jumped out as being like, there's no way that is such a. So I'm thinking back. If you think, if you want a situation for me where it should be intervening on a red card decision, think back to the um, Ross County v Kelly game where um, <laughs> one of the worst <laughs> challenges I've ever seen is it. Um, I was going to say it was Jack Baldwin, but it wasn't his. It was the first one, Calhoun. Jack Calhoun. One of the worst tackles you ever see. Not not punished with a red card. That's where it comes in. Where it's like the most blatant. Nobody in the world could say that's not a red card type situation. For this one, the fact that they. Dundee United have put appeal in and they think they might have a chance, says it all to me. I don't think personally appeal will get overturned because just as VAR should have a high bar for overturning decisions, that, that's the same in the opposite direction. If it's given on the park eventually as a red, there's not to me enough to say it's definitely not one. But coming back to my main point, my point is I think with what that there was a little bit of impetuousness about the, the going into the challenge in the first place. It was like a frustrated kind of thing where he's kind of, something's got away from him. But that, it doesn't excuse, I think, the decision. And, and, they, and they can be a bit hard done by. But even with 10 men and having a lot of the game, they they, they did a lot, not a lot with it. I, I sat through this game and watched it, watched it on iPlayer and it, it wasn't fun. I seem to I seem to always end up doing this these one nils and nil nils on iPlayer that are uh... they're they're such a weird team United and we've talked about it already like the problems in terms of the so yeah the risk of repeating myself we've talked about the problems in terms of the lack of balance in the squad and we're not saying anything here you still look at the midfield like Arnold Jim out the side didn't he come off the bench. The same midfield three that basically start the season with McGrath, Leffert and Sibold. There's not enough balance there at all. The back three, still the same. McCann, Edward, Smith. They're getting a wee bit of a tune out about them and that they're not conceding as many goals, but I think everybody would tell you that there's there's there's, 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 there's big issues with that unit as well. 
that they're no, wing- no longer no longer conceding like nine and seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> aye. Uh, their wing backs aren't good enough. They've still got a horrible lack of width. But I do wonder if it's just more than that now. If like you get it with teams where things go like catastrophically wrong, and if you look at the talent on the park, it shouldn't be that wrong. But it's just like a stink that hangs over a team for an entire season. And we've seen it loads of times. Like I, t- I mentioned earlier, Hearts 2019-20. Like that team should, yeah, the goalkeeper was a big problem, but that team should never have got relegated. And yet, it's once you kind of get into this death spiral, it's just, it, it's, it feels like, the, the, whether it's a confidence thing, or it's a, like a, a panic thing, whatever it is, it, it just kind of envelops a club and you kind of have a feeling that it's that with United. Because for all the problems I'm saying, They've still got Jamie McGrath on the team. They've still got Dylan Levitt. They've still got Tony Walt. They've still got Stephen Fletcher. Like, there's still talent there. And they really shouldn't be... Like, if you compare the talent they have on their side to St. Johnston, who have fucking, <laughs> in my opinion, very little talent on their side, and they're picking up results. Like, that's... There's a real, yeah, that's, there's that's... A real psychological aspect that's going against United right now, and I don't know how you fix that, especially without bringing in. But even we've seen it in the past, like with teams bringing a new manager. United being a perfect example, by the way, with the Jackie McNamara season and then Mixu Patlining coming in, is it that doesn't even fix it as well? It sometimes just feels like it doesn't stop until you're actually in a different division. Just, just to pick up on the team team that won the game, Motherwell. The, the reason <laughs> I've not said a lot about them, it wasn't vintage Motherwell, but. Stevie Hamill may be winning ugly. Um, you know, there's been a wee bit of criticism of him, you know, impl- improving the play from Alexander, but recently the results not coming with it. But they they were nowhere near their best in this game, but they, they got the result, they got over the line, and there was a kind of hint of the good side to Alexander about the performance, about seeing it out quite well. Um and yeah, so they are they are probably not as bad as we were worried they were going to be um, at the start of the season. They're not nor really as good as we thought they were going to be when Hamill won or, or was getting a lot out of them in the first few games. But they're somewhere in between and and I think they will be having a fairly uneventful season, would be my guess. Stevie um, Hamill will have my sympathy as a manager as, as long as he feels like he c- continually has to pick Connor Shields. Well, yeah, that, well, that's that. And, and, that I mean, oh. and when Van Veen has the kind of game that he had, where he's like trying too hard, he, he intercepted at least two. There was like one. There was a really obvious one that was kind of ball across. That was a cutback going to somebody, and he just took it off the toes. There was another one where it was a beautiful raking crossfield pass, and he almost like rose to get in the way of it um, to to take it for himself. When he's on that kind of form, and you've got Shields, he's, he's just not a Premiership player together. That's always going to lead to a lack of creativity in front of goal, but it might be something they rectify. Moving on then to the team who are third bottom in the league, um, that, that's my own Kilmarnock, um, defeated 1-0 by St Johnston on Saturday, continuing Kelly's miserable away record, but also a, a really um, a really good win again for St Johnston, who are climbing up the table at this point. They are now sitting, well, just a point off the top six or seven points clear of uh, of relegation. And given, to be honest, given what I've seen from them every single time I've watched them, including this game, that that's quite an achievement because <laughs> they, they, if you think of Tommy Wright, St. Johnston, um, where they were pretty poor, but they kept winning games and, and we're finishing in the top six. This is like a downgraded version of that where the players are, are far, far worse. But 
they're getting enough of the results to you know be be quite clear of relegation. I they obviously it's, it's hard to judge in this game because they took the lead very early on, and then at that point they were obviously happy with what they had, and and we know that Callum Davidson's teams have been really good at seeing out a lead, but they they didn't really do a lot apart from a couple of breakaways after that they didn't really do a lot else in the game but they took advantage of, of what I would say was just a slightly disjointed attacking performance from Kelly there was just none of the parts quite fitted together as slickly as they had been in recent weeks and um you know they got away with Ennis Cameron up front um against against County last weekend I thought he had a good game he, he didn't play well in this one Jordan Jones wasn't at his best, I think, unfairly maligned a lot because I think his return to the team coincided um, with Kelly getting getting better. But um, none of none of those two played well. Daniel Armstrong, I thought, thought um, gave gave the fullback a torrid time. It was uh, it was Brown who was playing on the left. He he um, did have a good game, but it was just lots of little bits that Kelly did all right, but they just had a lot of the ball, but there wasn't ever a feeling from me that we were really going to score. Um, and, and we've seen that a few times this season. And I'm not, it's not the sort of performance that leaves me too worried, but it's also not a performance that leaves me like full of confidence for the season ahead either. Um, but you can afford one or two of these off a, off a good run. Um, there's three, to me, three winnable games before um, the World Cup, and that can make a big difference for Kelly. But, St Johnston, I, I'm, I'm increasingly starting to think we'll, we'll have enough about them to stay up um, just just by winning games like this where they yeah. don't really do a lot. Yeah, um, Duncan will recognise this analogy and uh, apologies to everybody else. Uh, I'm going to put on my, my Texas Fowler hat on right here. Um, like, Because in American sports, for those unaware, like you typically don't have uh, the head coach signing the players. You typically have a, a general manager for that. So they sign the players, and so you can. So it's kind of clearer distinction. So you can be like, ah, oh, like the head coach is not getting a lot out of the talent available to him, or you know, the head coach is doing very well with uh, this terrible talent he's been given by the the what they would call the front office in America. Callum Davidson is maybe the worst general manager in the league, <laughs> <laughs> but but possibly still one of the better actual managers are getting the best out of what he's done. The team he's built is horrendous, in my opinion. It is so shit. And I'm sorry, St. Johnson fans, I know you're going to get annoyed at this because you get annoyed by bloody everyone. But he, like, when I see that team every week, I'm like, how are they winning football games? But they, they do. <laughs> and, like, it's not even a case of, like, St. Johnson at their worst where it's, like, they're, they're just shithousing the way to every win. Because I was thinking, right. Because I actually didn't know this. I looked at it earlier. I was like, okay, St. Johnson's still, like, even though they've got the, all these points and they're winning these games, they still must have, like, the, the worst, like, goal scored in the league. No, not even slightly. They scored 14 goals. There's, there's five teams who've scored fewer goals than them. There's three teams in the league who've scored less than 10. St. Johnson got 14. So it's like, I don't know how he's doing it. I really don't. But fair play to him. He's, he's assembled this absolute ragtag group and he is getting a tune out of them. So... Maybe, maybe, maybe he's not the worst general manager. Maybe he's just a, a, a kind of well, it's a weird one. He's, 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 it's like dogs of war sort of stuff, isn't it? Like they're, they're, they're just a, none of them. None of them are particularly uh, good, exciting, or, or good or whatever. But somehow have an ability to like. And as I say, that was the thing they they they're almost machine like in their, their ability to to not be I don't know emotional about. 
playing football, if that makes sense. Like, you know, in terms of, like, you know, that they, uh, you know, like Hibs the week before, you know, Hibs kept missing chances, right? So we're still in this game. We can take the chance when it arrives to us. Saturday from from watching as much as I could of it, just to seem to have the, the ability to just be like, right, fine, we'll just we'll just deal with this. Like we are we're quite um like just just not emotional about it. I, like I, I can't really describe it, but it's just a it's just a like we've like everyone seems experienced enough to have to deal with things in a in a mature fashion if that makes sense the one thing i'll say you, you talked about we talked about goalkeepers for dundee united and i thought st george were going to be at this situation at the start of the season but remy matthews has been a really good yeah. business and he he had a really good he had a good game in the sense that he was confident he had one one fantastic save from william donnelly's header and um, which which i was sure mm-hmm. was going in um but beyond that just that kind of confidence um you know getting out of strikers feet coming out for um crosses all the rest of it he um he, he did have the one error for the um the disallowed goal. Um for me a very soft foul on Stevie May, but I don't have an issue with the the referee gave that foul. And to me, when the referee gives that foul, it wasn't an obvious mistake. I, I've got no issue that VR didn't um you know they, they, they didn't kind of have a check in or have a review and all the rest of it. That's fine. That's how I would want it to be implemented. Um you can obviously talk about we, we talk about him getting a tune out of people though, and um, it has not. I don't think anyone can get a tune out of James Brown. He was he was terrible again, and should have been sent off in the sense that the tackle itself for me is not that bad. It, it probably yeah. falls in that category of between a red and a yellow. I would have, I would have said a yellow, but it goes back to what we we're saying earlier. It's not a clear and obvious error. Four four minutes from him showing the red card to the game restarting. Jesus uh, like like I said, like I said with me and Joel on that one. If you're looking at decision for over a minute, it's not clear and obvious. Walk away. Uh, uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, I, I personally am not convinced it would have changed the game that much, to be honest, because he was <laughs> shite anyway. But uh, like, they would probably been better without him there. But um, the he did. I think the the key for for the he didn't complain at all. So he got shown the red card, and there was a kind of resignation of a uh, probably it, it could have been kind of thing. Whereas we've seen other St. Johnson red cards this season where they've been out, like Murray Davidson the first day of the season. To be fair, it is just absolutely, poss- absolutely outraged. It is just possible he's that boring. Because he, yeah, he, no, he, he, he also showed absolutely no emotion whatsoever when it was rescinded. So. Yeah, it's, um, but, but that's the thing. That's what I'm me. telling you, he's built a team of bots. <laughs> but that, that was the thing for me, is like if, if the referee is given that decision on the park, th- there's no way there's enough to, to overturn that. And then it comes down to a bit of a lack of bottle as well because and it's natural because he's then being told oh I think you want to have a look at that again and he should have been saying well I saw what I saw it's the video that the image that you the image that you've shown me on the video was exactly the same as what I you, it must have been what I, I saw live. You and you and said that in our Discord chat like it is actually like VR is overruling referees because when they actually go to look at the screen, I don't has there actually been an incident so far this season? Where a referee's, referee's been talked into going to look at the replay screen and has disagreed with what he's been told in his ear. Because I don't think there has been. Well, I mean, that, but I suppose that's the, that, that's the issue. I mean, it hasn't in. It's rare. It, it's rare anywhere. It's rare anywhere. And I think, that, I, mean, I was chatting to, to a friend of the show, Chris Finn, about this on, on Saturday, because obviously there was VAR instance at Easter Road as well. And it's the. I don't. It's like it, it's been botched. I think the the introduction 
um, and not necessarily because uh, you know. But again, I think it's is what you were saying earlier, Fowler, about that that it's an interpretive way of doing football uh, refereeing. Like comparing, to, it's not tennis. It's not binary. It's not like that's in, that's out sort of thing. And what I think the problem in the first two weekends that I see is that referees are choosing not to make decisions on the field because they feel like they've got the backup through VAR. Um, you see that, I think, the, the clearest example of that is the, the Cammy Dev and uh, Carter Vickers one last weekend and things like that. Like, you're just... I mean, you, you have to make a decision there. You can't just... Like, it's either you think it's a penalty or you think that Cammy Devon's gone in too high with studs, so it's a free kick to Celtic. I don't see how you can just play on through that. Um, but, I mean, that, that could be just interpretation of things. Well, I, 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 th- I, th- I actually thought you were going to reference uh, Hibbs disallowed goal with Cabrera being about a fucking mile and a half offside. No, no. But the, no it was, uh, <laughs> uh, I won't, we'll not get into that. So, But it was more... Um, but I think it's going to... I don't think, I don't think that this is going to do anything to give referees an easier life. No, I think that they're no. Too, the, the, the way that it's been used and the, the lack of communication with fans is just getting fans more, like, it, like the, it's getting people more and more annoyed because their day out is being spoiled by what feels well, like a bungling you, of the technology. You're, and I don't think the technology you. can't solve the problem, but it's, been, it's, it's now being used as like, this is the, the saviour. And you're it was being, never going to be. You're also being robbed to me of, of a bit of football, and, and again, I'm not saying because I, I, I say I think Kelly could have played until next year and not scored in this game, to be honest. But there was four minutes for that incident. There was a, a brief check for that other disallowed goal, and they only played six minutes added on. There's time being lost. It's actual yeah. football time for Craig. For them to Craig, that happened, that happened Easter Road as well. Um, Hibbs got the penalty after it was two minutes added on. It probably took about two minutes to give the penalty. And then within thirty seconds, I'm scoring the penalty. The ref blew for half time. It's it, it just does not that that shouldn't be happening. And that to me, I always thought this was a stupid idea when people used to say, "Oh, we need a, a manager's call," kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I thought that was a stupid idea when we didn't have VR because I'm like, I, I didn't want VR full stop. Now I think because you've seen incidents, the the disallowed goal for. Um, Hearts against Ross, sorry, Ross County's disallowed goal against Hearts a perfect example of this. Not one person on that park thought that I don't think a Hearts player appealed for an offside, thought it was an offside. It was offside. I'm not don't get me wrong, it probably was just offside. I'm not saying the decision was wrong that VR made, but to me, I'm not even sure Robbie Nielsen would have thrown a flag, so to speak, in that situation. <laughs> but if we're now at the stage where these incidents are going to get reviewed. What it's going to do is it's going to turn turn an interest an element of interest to the game, but it's also going to take the pressure massively off referees because then the referees are not saying, you know, every decision that gets checked is not on their behalf. It's like someone said, going to check this, and so if the referee, the the VAR referees are no longer the centre of attention because then it's going to be like, oh, Robbie Nielsen shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have reviewed that decision. And I wonder if that is going... I don't think that'll ever happen because I think it's away from what they want to do, but I've now seen the appeal yeah. of that in terms of, like, it's not helping referees at all. No, I, think, that, I think it will get better, like, like than what we've talked about where it's four minutes for a decision that they shouldn't have been involved in at all. It's not going to get better to the point where it's going to be tolerable, to be honest. I don't think it will. 
No, I hate I it. I think, yeah, I think there's a there's a fundamental flaw in the in the kind of the mechanism that it works. I I would be far more in favour of what they use in rugby league, which is the referee makes a or not like you know if it's a normal goal, like if it's a goal, it's an easy like tap in that there's no dispute about. Give goal, there's no fine. It's fine. It's all good. Like or that that equivalent, a try that goes in, not not an issue. When the referee is unsure in rugby league, he goes and says, my on-field decision is either try or no try. Can I go to the, I want to go to the video ref and the video ref is, I'm passing the decision over to them and saying, is my, is my on-field decision wrong? Is there evidence that shows that this is wrong? And that I feel is much better way. So everyone can see. Yeah. It's a, it's a total change of the language, but like, what we have at the moment is referees not making decisions thinking that VAR might make a decision. Bail them out. And the thing is, I'm really fucking bored of talking about VAR and it's only the second weekend of it. Yeah. Like, I, th- it's, I think it's just going to... I can I can, I would, yeah, I can see Duncan, myself going I, to fewer, I, I, I fewer premiership I, games. Duncan, I don't know when you started watching NFL, but I think the NFL was the same. And I know that it makes more sense in NFL just because of all the stoppages. But the first couple of years after... In fact, I've been saying more than the first couple of years after instant replays were introduced, the refereeing got much worse. Like just in general, because they're just like, ah, don't know. Let, let's just leave it to see what the replay says. Yeah, I think that's what's happening, and that's not what we want. You want to, we want football to be. You want to be able to react in the moment. We want like, we basically what we it. want is we want VAR to intervene as little as possible, and it's intervening in literally every game. Yeah, and yeah. and we'll talk about it. So we'll, we'll move on from it because yeah, we we don't want to. It, it, it was one of the main players in this game. I think it's it's unavoidable in that <laughs> respect. But we'll move on to three. We've, we've had three close games. Um, we'll move on to three beatdowns now. Um, we'll start with Livingston, who are in seventh place in the division, I think, and they um, they were beaten quite comfortably. They're, they're ninth, um, Craig. They're ninth in the division. I couldn't remember. I did it in the order, but I couldn't remember. They're, they're all level in points, so I kind of I kind of lost track with that. But um, Livingston were, were beaten comprehensively at home by Celtic. That was that was probably Celtic's best performance in, in a while. Um, they they, they purred in that game, and, and yeah, they were aided maybe by not the best Livingston debut by Jack Hamilton. But at the same time, I, to be honest, I don't think it really would have made any difference. Joel Newbley yeah. started the game well for five minutes. He played well throughout, but maybe if something had came of that first opening that he created where, where, it, where he won the free kick and then kind of made an arse of the first chance. Maybe it's a different game. But after that, it was it was all very much Celtic. And I, I actually sometimes find that I don't have a lot to say about Celtic's performance here. Um, Hak Sabanovic, I think, is a very, very good player. I, I, I hate it. Every They're single very you bring, good. You bring one of these guys in and you're like... Maybe maybe he's going to be a bit of shite. We'll have someone to laugh at, and he's like, "Nope, excellent as well." And even James Forrest is we're getting a tune out of him again. It's just like, where's where's the weakness coming ah, it's from? It's like it's like Aaron Moy. They signed Moy, and he looked a bit shit as that went in. They've got a tune out of him recently. He's like, "Can you sign something shite, please? Really? Come on." I mean, I think that's the thing. Like Moy, Moy's not for me in terms of if you're Celtic and wanting to go further because I don't think he's any, I don't think he was I don't think he's any better than what they have at the club, but he's. He would walk into every other yeah. midfield in the, pre- I even think in the James Premiership. Is the same. I even think James McCarthy is the same. He does not fit what Celtic do whatsoever. But you put James McCarthy in any other team in the league, and he'll probably be one of the best players. But I get this. I mean, this this was always going to be a struggle for Livy as soon as they went one 0 behind, and it was 
Fitzwater broke out the line to try and press when it wasn't on, and just and it just gave them gave the, the space for Keogh to find. I mean, Keogh still had a lot to do in terms of making that finish work, but yeah, you don't want to be giving them that chance. And I think it was it was one of those things that. I would never say that Livy like looked defeated after that, but they didn't look like they had enough to get back in the game. I think, like again, you know, from that point on, Celtic were in possession, but not necessarily. Uh, Livy are fine giving better teams possession, but this was an this was one of those games where they uh, where Celtic had possession and Livy weren't happy about it. If that makes sense. And. I mean, great, great Taylor turning into a gold machine. Um, as I say, <laughs> I, I was the only player in the, in the world who assured everyone he was a really good attacking fullback, and we're starting to see that from him. Oh, no, fair play to you, man. Like, uh, I'm sure I, I certainly had my doubts, and uh, th- th- I know that the vast majority of the Celtic support definitely did as well. But I, I, yeah, I didn't see it coming for Taylor to but turn no, into this, mean, but he's been, he's been incredible this year. In general, it's, o- it's only down to Ange Postacoglu. He was he was terrible before they went to Celtic, as um, as, as far as I've heard. Um, so <laughs> um, we'll, we'll move on from that. But I, I I have sympathy for Jack Hamilton for these things. Now, don't get me wrong, Jack Hamilton's not a good Premiership goalkeeper. He was good in the Championship for Morton last season, but um, it's the type of goal that a slightly substandard goalkeeper will concede because it moves about. There's people in front of him, and yeah, the the better goalkeepers in the division. Most of the goalkeepers in the division will save that shot. Shamal George would have saved that shot, I think, but it's not an egregious error. It's just like, uh, okay, it looks a bit stupid because it goes through his legs, but you can understand why. But he then followed up by nearly making an, an enormous arse of one immediately after it. But it was just Sorry, just to interject about Hamilton. I thought it was a strange move this summer, and mainly because... So you have a great, he had a great season at Morton last year. He was Morton's best player, uh, probably. And it was great to see him because it was un, it was undoubted when he first came into the heart side that he had talent. It was just he was thrown in far too quickly. And he actually, for the first half of that season, I would say like it was a, a sink or swim thing. And I would say for the first half of that season, he, he swam. Barely, but he swam. He kept his head above water. And then when things started to go shit, especially under Cathro, his confidence died completely. And he never got it back until last season. But it's with that when when you get it back, keep playing, stay in a situation where you're you're doing well and and build yourself up. Yeah, and maybe not stay at Morton, but I don't know. I can imagine that other teams higher up the championship might have been interested. Maybe they weren't, and maybe that what we was kind of left with. He overplayed his hand. I think that was possibly an agent. An agent. Yeah, um, yeah, quite, aye, quite possibly. But it was yeah. like, yeah, just give yourself another season. Continue to build up your confidence. Have a more assurance in yourself. Because everybody like. Even if you are confident, you'll always have that thing. As a, as a football fan, like regardless of a player, you'll be a football fan yourself. So you'll know that things like like one season wonder sort of thing, and like you you'll need a bit more to build yourself to have that foundation to build yourself back up. So I always thought it was a strange move, and the fact he's thrown in his first game of the season against it, like it's in October, he's not played all year. It's only going to go one way. Uh, Fowler, just on the the point about one season wonders, uh, is there happen? Is there a Patreon series that people might be interested <laughs> in? That, that? Well, I don't I don't want to advertise it now because, um, like, I had them, I had them all edited and ready to go for for several weeks, and then uh, the, the um, yeah, was it we posted six, and there was another eleven, and they were all wiped, and I managed to stitch together one last week, but. Uh, Craig, sorry to tell you this because we'd done it over Zoom 
that's disappeared. That's fine. I will. Uh, I will accept that you will never hear about um, Connor Salmon. Um, I know the perfect one mag- season wonder, magnificent uh, one season, uh, or half a season wonder, half half a season. But then he, he kind of then came back and did a, a second half of another season <laughs> that, that was alright as well. Um, that that's fine. But I I genuinely don't have a lot more to say about this game. Does anyone else have anything to say about this game? I, I find it, I, it's tactical. Like like Martindale, we've talked about him. He's a very funny in a good way, but very he's. It's a very interesting approach and all that, but sometimes it doesn't matter how good a tactician you are when your opponents are that much better than you, you just lose, and and that's what happened here. And, and Celtic were on form. I I wonder they're obviously going to the Bernabeu in midweek. They'll probably not get anything there, but then uh, <laughs> I slightly fear for Dundee United next weekend, given what happened before. Um, yeah, like Livy are just Livy when it comes to Celtic now. They've now lost two home games in a row to Celtic. It's like having a a child that's like a straight A student, and then they get like a couple of C's. <laughs> it's like uh, I'm disappointed, but I can't be that mad. They've punched the above the weight so much against Celtic, so much it's like they would do a couple of pumpings, and this was a yeah, like you said, had they, had they maybe taken advantage of the wee kind of slight fright they gave Celtic in the first five minutes, and yeah, it might have been a different game. But that's that's also a lot to ask. Just uh, Joe Noblesse is an exceptionally good player. If he was, if he was um, about. Six inches smaller, people would think he was a really, really good winger. Um, he's he's just there's there's a lot to like about him, and someone else needs to say. And I don't mean that in a, from a Livingston point of view. I want to see how he can do at a bigger club, whether he'll sink or swim there. But I I, I love watching him; he's one of my favourites. I would I would, we'll take him, on, I would as I've said before, I would take him at hearts in a heartbeat. I know you and Taylor would like him to sign for Rangers, and that would that would be a real acid test. I think seeing him seeing him in the <laughs> in Europe and all the rest of it. Um, moving on then to to as I say, I'm fifth place in the table, St Mirren, and third place in the table, Hibernian Hibs, climbing to third place courtesy of um, courtesy of that victory. Uh, ultimately, a comfortable one for Hibs. It didn't always look like it was going to be that way, but um, they are. When they are playing well, Hibs, they, they're an entertaining team. And in the big man up front, um, Kucherevich, they seem to have a bit of a, a talisman. I can't work out who to kind of compare him to, but he's a real handful and there's a lot to like. He's maybe a bit of a Kyle Laffery about him. Like, he just, you don't know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, he's a uh, big Mick, as, uh, as everyone in Leith is now calling him because they're, they're <laughs> is uh, is been butchered like it was just there by me. Um, I, say, I don't think we've ever got it right on the show once. Um, the thing, the thing that I like about him uh, is that he's a nuisance. Like you could see, even when he was coming off, and he's not played that many games like at all. But you could see, even when he wasn't match fit, though, that he knew he wasn't match fit, but was still then trying to do things that necessarily might no one necessarily has game to try and be involved. Uh, and you ne- ne- maybe compare that to someone else that we signed and paid money for from Swindon, for example, and <laughs> uh, they've, they've died on their arse coming up here um, because they they are um, potentially selfish enough to think that the game should adapt to them rather than uh, they adapt to the game. And so there, there's an element like that, uh, and not many fans will, will thank me for this, but there is an element of Christian Doidge about that because that's what Doidge was doing even when he wasn't scoring. Uh, now Big Mick is... Uh, and he's, I would say, he's much, much uh, more athletic, uh, much pacier, much, uh, much more physical than. than Don't give him all the praise. Well. No, <laughs> 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 no. 
Um, I mean, I, th- I suppose uh, aided a bit by the fact that uh, Alex Gogic is, is no by by no means a centre half nor sweeper. Um, and that, I, I that know, was, yeah, that... I know. I know. Shaughnessy himself didn't play really well when he came on, but I really find that bizarre that Robinson prefers Gogic to Shaughnessy as the Gallagher backup. I find that weird. It is it, it, to me. Shaughnessy is not finished as a Premiership player, so I, I do find it because I thought he'd have been right up. Um, Right up Robinson Street, but I wonder if there's, there's something going on there. But yeah, I don't don't get me wrong. St. Mirren have, have done well with Gogic in there, so I don't want to write him off on on the basis of one game because um, I think they've obviously got something going. But sometimes games like this, he, he gets shown up a bit, and and obviously you know from Hibs, Duncan, that he was he was not a bad player for Hibs, but he was just a bit short sometimes, the low level required, and it's the same when you're when you're playing against top six opposition. <laughs> Sometimes your weaknesses that that you know other teams can't expose, they they will expose, and especially when Hibs a bit like Aberdeen when they get going at home, especially there's a lot to like about them. Um, I don't know where, where to go on this game. I, I, I could I could I could say how scared I, I said I was scared of Aberdeen the other week, and we'll get we'll get on to Aberdeen soon enough because I watched their game of the weekend, and I'm slightly less scared of Aberdeen having watched that. Uh, I know it was a weight of Rangers, but I'll get on to why it's a bit of a, a problem for them. Um, Hibs are good. Hibs are a good team. And there's still that softness to them that just comes with Hibs. Like, the fact that they didn't win that St. Johnson game, like, and also so close after that Dundee United match where they should have won as well. Like, they should have six points it's, at that. They should, they should be nine. It's, they should, it's, streak, it's streaky Lee Johnson. Yeah, they that's, should be, they that's should what should be, he does. They should be nine, like, they should be nine clear. Like, the, the way, well, sorry, it's nine clear to hearts. Well, they should be nine clear to hearts, basically. Um, at this point in time, the fact that they're only three by game in hand is a bit bizarre to me. But this, I've said about Hibs a lot of the season that I liked a lot of their team, but I felt like they didn't have. I still felt they weren't strong enough in midfield. And yeah, over a thirty game season, thirty eight game season, that's probably still true. But this was a game where they really dominated the centre of the park. No one, uh, they made two changes. They had to one of them with. Um, Kyle McGuinness being suspended, but also Johnson also dropped Campbell out and brought Kenna in. So Kenna and Henderson came in. Kenna sat in front and back four. It allowed Newell to push forward a little bit. Kenna was really great at just doing the dirty, winning the ball back, um, composing the ball, just recycling possession. Newell, I thought, was outstanding. I thought he was the best player in the park. Uh, he showed Joe Newell at his best, basically, with his, his passing ability and his, his vision really shone through. And Henderson had a good game as well. He missed a good chance, but he was always involved. He was always li- lively. And God, actually, like as a as a journalist, like he is. Like, obviously, I was pissed off at, at the fact it was the last time we did a podcast together. But I was pissed off at Johnson for his comments about the about the mentality of firm. I still fully disagree with him on that. I mean, like I say, Livingston's one of the. I think what is Livingston's got like fortieth of the budget of Celtic, and the fact that. They've done seven games in a row unbeaten against them at home. Like, yeah, sorry, you're 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 shout about teams going out expected to get beat off the old farm from kickoff is complete pish. But otherwise, Johnson's great because after the game, he he singles out you and Henderson and he says, "Yeah, he's a player I'm the most frustrated by," and it's a thing that a lot of managers don't no, do because you just want to like most of them just want to protect their players at all costs of the public. But he knows it's a way of doing it to put a boot up the arse kind of thing. And I know Johnson's the kind of character as well because players have said this, and former players have said this. He's the kind of guy who's in like your, their WhatsApp all the time, like asking them how they are and 
And I can imagine he's said to Ewan Henderson afterwards, this is exactly why I said this. And even Ewan Henderson came in afterwards, straight away. Johnson said he's the player I've been the most frustrated by. Uh, he done this, he done that. He should have done this, he done better. And he says, if I'm not saying this about him, then he's on his way at the club. He says, but I am not accepting mediocrity from a player of that talent. And it's like, that's a fucking strong thing for a manager to say. And then Ewan Henderson comes in and he's like, yeah, I agree with him. Like, I've not been anywhere near my best this season. And that's good man management, I would say. I'd say that's very good. So they got that. So if they can manage to get that kind of consistent play, and I'm not saying Ewan Henderson's going to be it, because I would still say that Kyle McGuinness is a better player, but if they can manage to get that consistent play in midfield, whether it's Ken or anybody else in front of the back four, if Joan Yeo's playing like that, and if McGuinness can come back and play like he did, or if Henderson can keep up that level of performance, then this is a heavy team that really starts to scare me. Because, as we were saying, Mikolai, I'm not going to attempt his surname, he's, he's fucking good. <laughs> he's a very good player. And you've got, Cabrera's been off form recently as well. Um, started off the season great, not been great recently, but he's still got his ability as well. Chris Cadden, a great weapon out wide. And you've got the back three playing like they are as well at the moment, with Rocky Bashiri again at the weekend. Outstanding. Then Didn't put a foot wrong. There's not a lot of holes now in that team when I look at it. I, I was going to yeah, say, I mean, <laughs> you're a lot more enthusiastic about him than I am. <laughs> well, Boyle going off injured could be a real nightmare, depending on what it ends up being. I've not seen any updates today. I don't know if there's anything. No, I don't. I've not not heard anything. I know. Either. I know, Duncan, that you would uh, you'd have plenty more to say on hips, but we'll, we'll have plenty more opportunities for that. I think. In, in the interest of time, we will move on to the the final game, and it was. I, I talked about beatdowns. This was mm. the, the mother of all beatdowns after after falling behind. <laughs> just just took Aberdeen to the cleaners and absolutely smashed them four uh, one. Um, Craig, I think you watched this one, or at least you saw a bit of it. No, so, I watched um, this. I yeah. Um, so um, talk us through it. Aberdeen were so fair play, Aberdeen. They went to Ibrox, and I think a lot of the fans would have wanted them to play this way. Rangers are really, really kind of seeming shit, really, let's be honest at the moment. They've not been playing well at all, both domestically and in Europe. It kind of seemed like it was almost, and it still might be this way, but it seemed like it was a matter of time before Gio was out the door and the players were barely even playing for him anymore. I, again, this, the last time we were on together, that Dundee game was just like, wow. Like <laughs> oh, it was so brutal. Oh, I know. Like, what are they? They barely look like they care. So you kind of thought, especially not being at the game and seeing that Aberdeen had gone one 0 up. I was like, oh god. It's like this is the end of Geo, and also Aberdeen are getting a big three points. I was like, don't don't like this. Don't like this at all. But watching the game, like Aberdeen went for it. They, they played their same system, and when you're playing that system, so it's the the three five two. Basically, or the three, four, one, two, or whatever you want to call it. When you're doing that against Rangers, Rangers always play the four, three, three. So you're marking up one on one at the back, and that was—I was going to say ultimately the downfall. There was a few things that were downfall, but that was a big reason of why they lost this game. Because when you're doing that, you have to have every single one of your centre halves winning that battle. And Stewart didn't do too bad against Cholak, I would say, but the other two. Scales and McCrory, McCrory in particular, got absolutely murdered constantly. And when you when that's happening, it obviously just collapses the entire defence when you've just got somebody, I mean, you've got two of them especially. It's just a nightmare. But not just them, I don't want to single them out because the midfield three I thought were really bad as well. Like they just had Rangers, 
always seem to have so much time in the ball in the middle of the park. They always seem to be an extra man. Aberdeen were just so far off it in those defensive positions. And the goal they scored showed the kind of proof in the game plan. You know, keep the two keep two wing two sorry, keep two strikers on the park. And it was a ball into kind of slightly the, the left channel where Duke isolated those Leon King, running into space between the fullback and centre back, turning them inside and out. Took half an hour to get a shot away. They eventually scored from it. <laughs> but the Rangers equaliser, I think, showed exactly the problem at the other end of the park. Tillman just runs off Ramadani far, far too easily. Scales is too worried by Sakala because he's already been like roasted by him a couple of times. So he's too far out wide to, to pick up the ball. Stewart has to go over, which leaves Cholak free. McCrory's too slow at getting across, and it's a goal. And they just continually lost those battles time and time and time again. And that was why they got murdered. Aberdeen went with a big boy game plan and they got their pants pulled down. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what it looked like from the highlights. I think that, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have to give props to, to Connor, uh, uh, Connor Barron for being the only person that realises that with VAR now, especially just play to the whistle, just carry on playing until there, until uh, and something will sort itself out. Um, yeah, because it, would, it probably yeah, would no, have been a penalty if, if, if no. Yeah, um, but aside from that, it's Aberdeen away from home. I don't like, again, they look so formidable at home. Or I say formidable, maybe is, is exaggerated, but they look impressive at home. But again, they when Aberdeen are bad, they stink the joint out. I mean, the their performance, they, they, they offered so little against Hibs at East Road. They're the worst team that has visited East Road this season, which is, you know, even after that, after Saturday and St. Mirren's performance and stuff like that. Um, and you, you can kind of see it in the second half where Aberdeen, like the, the, the players came back when Rangers were attacking and they were in the box, but they, were, they weren't tracking men at all or it looked like they were, man- there was no responsibility of like, I'm going to track this man. It was like, I'm, 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 kind of just marking the space here so it makes me look busy um, rather than actually doing any any actual defending. Richardson for the, the second goal was the prime example of this. It was the, the set piece and he just stands about and he's basically standing like in front of the goalkeeper so he's not offering anything as like, a, you know, if you had a player who stayed back on the line or something and was like covering a post but and it meant they was playing everyone on side, but he also then didn't react to the to the second ball. So it was just like there was a lot of that. Yeah, players not responding to the game plan basically was, or not. I, in in general, I would say the problem was that the players the players were asked. Scales was asked to mark Scal out of the game. McCrory was asked to mark mark Ken out of the game. Neither of them done their job whatsoever. So in some ways, you can have sympathy with Jim Goodwin for that. One thing I would say though. For playing with two two forwards, and like I say, you're wanting to get those chances, like the goal where you're getting Duke isolated on King, getting back he's back turn to goal, running at him. They pissed about the back far too much. There was so many times, like there was one time where McCrory he managed to do it, but he had to skin Ryan Kent in his own box. And I was like, if that's what you're relying on, that there's a real fundamental flaw with what you're asking the players to do here. That wasn't why they lost, but that was one aspect of their attacking game plan that still didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think 
they can write this one off, but they, their their record against Rangers, which was was at least kind of passably all right um, under McInnes. They had some some bad ones, but they did get results. They got a few under or a couple of draws under Stephen Glass. Their, their record for against Rangers is kind of starting to get away from them, and they will still have aspirations of being able to win games like this, and, and they're, they're kind of almost looking like they're getting further and further away from being able to do it. Um, we'll obviously have another chance. I think the the rearranged one um, will will be just soon after the World Cup. But the, yeah, there's just a lot. Um, there's a lot of questions still about this Aberdeen team as entertaining as they are, kind of as, as flat flat track bullies at home. Um, but that that's a nice way to round things off. I think um, it was an entertaining weekend. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, the three of us will be over on Patreon, where we're going to do uh, um, another 20 questions, since, since Duncan's here. Um, Craig, <laughs> Craig and I will go ahead against, head-to-head against each other on uh, Scotland Internationals. Uh, Sean, Sean McGuigan, it was, it was, was it Tom beat me the last... No, Ewan beat me the last Incredibly. time. So, I'm uh, actually like... Had that not happened, I would say I'm like playing with house money and anything I do is a bonus. But the fact that you would beat you, I feel like now I've got some pressure on me. You, <laughs> it's you ridiculous and, because you should you should definitely win every single one of these. But you you and played well. You and played well that <laughs> night in our, um, <laughs> uh, the big big game. Into, I, I just I just. But I mean that's uh, what he does. He's got the mentality. He's an old, you know he's born to think. I mean I, I, these I, games, I grew so I grew like, up just thinking I couldn't couldn't beat the likes of you and Taylor. Um and so and so it proved. Um but I I have no such inferiority complex against Hart and Bolton. So we will wait and see. <laughs> but uh, thanks to all the listeners as usual for for putting up with our nonsense. Um as I say another reminder nineteenth of November. Live show, um, Hampden Park. We we're all looking forward to it. We'd love to see you there. Patreon, um, already mentioned, we're over at that. You can sign up for that. Patreon dot com forward slash terrace podcast. Um, two pounds, five pounds, seven pound tiers on there. You can have a look. You you'll see what you get for those. But lots and lots of extra content. There is really a day that I go out uh, to to go a walk or whatever, and I don't have a new Terrace Podcast Patreon uh, to listen to. So, um, and I don't even have to pay for them. Uh, you do. So there we go. What a way to what a way to round that off. Um, I wish you all the best, and I hope you enjoy uh, this week's football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.